a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 16th of February. The fallout continues over bombshell allegations a young Liberal Party staff member was raped in a senior minister's office at Parliament House in Canberra. Brittany Higgins has told the project she was out drinking with colleagues when she returned to Parliament House with a fellow staff member. She then fell asleep on the couch inside Defence Minister Linda Reynolds' office. I woke up mid-rape, essentially. He was sweaty. I couldn't get him off of me. At this point, I started crying. What did you say to him? I told him to stop. Did he? No. The alleged sexual assault happened just weeks before the federal election in 2019 and the junior advisor claimed she felt her job was in jeopardy if she made a formal complaint. That was the really clarifying moment for me where I fully sort of internalised that this is a political issue, my job is on the line for this, I don't really have a choice. Prime Minister Scott Morrison responded to the allegations in Parliament yesterday, saying the reports are deeply distressing and everyone has the right to feel safe in their workplace. Ms Higgins says she will now take the matter to the federal police. A critical step forward in the rollout of Australia's vaccination program with the first doses of the Pfizer vaccine arriving in Australia. The first batch of 142,000 jabs touched down in Sydney yesterday from Europe. Health Minister Greg Hunt says they are now undergoing security and quality checks. They will be able to begin with their priority for hotel quarantine. Uh, They will also be focusing on other border-related workers, those that are most likely to come into contact with positive international arrivals. Vaccinations are set to start on Monday with frontline health workers, hotel quarantine staff and aged care residents and staff among the first to get the Pfizer vaccine. The British Prime Minister has addressed the nation as the UK reached an historic milestone with 15 million residents now receiving their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. Boris Johnson calling the moment an extraordinary feat, but warned it was no moment to relax. The level of infection remains very high, with still more people today, uh, more people still in hospital today than in the, uh, at the peak last April. And admissions across the UK, very important statistic, admissions running at 1,600 a day. The British Prime Minister says at this early stage they still don't have expert data on whether the vaccines are stopping the transmission of the virus. Back home now and the Victorian Premier has defended the need for a statewide lockdown, despite regional Victoria remaining coronavirus free. Daniel Andrews says if it was a Melbourne-only shutdown, he was concerned a lot of city people would have fled to the country. If in the early afternoon of Friday I had said the rules change at midnight and they only apply to Melbourne, it's not about five days, you'd have to have the ring of steel up pretty much then. Otherwise people would have gone to the place where the rules are easier. That's not a criticism, that's I just think a fact. Despite just one case of community transmission of COVID in Victoria yesterday, there is still no official word if the statewide lockdown will end tomorrow night. Two of the country's richest businessmen have put forward plans to set up regional quarantine camps in Victoria and Queensland. 
as debate continues over hotel quarantine facilities across the country. The Australian reports Lindsay Fox and John Wagner are working on separate proposals to house up to 2,000 international travellers at camps in rural settings near Geelong and Toowoomba. And the Barty party continues with Ash Barty making it through to the quarterfinals at the Oz Open. The champion making history again, becoming the first Aussie to reach the quarterfinals in three consecutive years at the Open since 1984. And we'll have more details coming up shortly in sport. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Tuesday morning. And firstly to Sydney. A nurse working at Auburn Hospital has suffered a leg injury after being hit by a stray bullet from a drive-by shooting. Our reporter, Siobhan Caulfield, is in Sydney with more. Yeah, Tash, police are investigating after shots were fired into a home at Auburn last night. But here's the bizarre part. A stray bullet, which was fired at the townhouse, penetrated through a window at nearby Auburn Hospital, shattering through the glass and injuring a nurse. Police say at least two men dressed in black were spotted getting out of a car near the driveway of the townhouse, firing a number of rounds at around 8pm. The residents were home at the time, but they weren't injured. Instead, an unsuspecting nurse was, suffering a leg injury from the shattered glass. Detectives are meantime investigating if the shooting was gang-related. To WA now and its border restrictions have eased again with travellers from New South Wales now allowed to skip quarantine when entering the state from today. Our Perth reporter Adam Hemmings has the details. Tash, WA's border with New South Wales eased just after midnight as it's now considered a low risk. The change follows the run of no COVID cases through community transmission. It means travellers heading west won't need to go into quarantine for 14 days. Premier Mark McGowan says they'll still need a G2G pass, declare they're not unwell and confirm they haven't recently visited Victoria. Still the uh, strongest arrangements in place uh, of any state because we have the controlled border uh, with the other states and territories. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we are joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Good morning, Scott. Halfway through earnings season and the ASX is getting closer to a record high. Tash, good morning. Yeah, believe it or not, what COVID crisis, what pandemic. Uh, of course, the market did fall massively last March and April. But right now, after what has been the, a really good first half of ASX profit season, we're within 300 points of that ASX record, which frankly, you know, we're not quite up until it was I think February 19 last year, we hit our highs. So not even 12 months after that last high, and despite what we've been through, we're almost back to where we started. Fair to say too, by the way, the US markets are above their records. So we're actually trailing them, but still a phenomenal situation to be back so close, given what we've been through. And Scott, JB Hi-Fi's profits soared 87% on pandemic purchases and online sales growth. Incredible results. Isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, I don't, there's not enough superlatives for this. This is, I mean, this is not, you know, we were talking about Kogan before, small online retail, like I'm up and coming. You expect them to have decent growth if they can find some business model that works. But JB Hi-Fi has been the place we've gone for our electronics for, well, I don't want to age myself, but it's safe to say I bought CDs there in the past. So <laughs> I it's, bought it's tapes those... there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure they sold LPs, but they probably do. Look, uh, and it's one of those situations where you know, 160% growth in online sales was the key driver here. 
Uh, but still, you know, 24% growth in overall sales for a business that was already with Harvey Norman, the dominant category killers of the, of the sector. It just goes to show how and, and where we spent our money uh, during the last 12 months and, and particularly the last six months, which are these results. Uh, record results for JB Hi-Fi. And just, you know, when you turn 24% sales growth and 88% profit growth, they're doing something right. Now, it's not repeatable, of course. We know that these are one-offs from the, from the pandemic itself. But just, you know, a remarkable story of where we spent our money and how JB's managed to turn that into a phenomenal profits for its shareholders. Mm, and so many Australians have money to spend. It's incredible. Uh, an increased bid for Coca-Cola Amatol means we're likely to lose our local bottler from the Australian Stock Exchange. Yeah, we talked about this before. There was a bid from Coca-Cola Europe to take Amatel over. Now, you know, this is one of those dances, and it's one of those, I mean, everyone knows what's going on. You make a bid, the company says no, you come back with a, a higher offer, a slightly higher offer sometime later, and the company says, oh, okay, let's do the deal. That's exactly what happened here. Um, shareholders, you know, the board did the right thing, holding out for a higher price. They're getting that slightly higher price. Coke Europe saying, look, this is the last offer. This is the highest we're going, so take it or lose it. Um, at this stage, it seems very likely that Coca-Cola Amateur will actually take that money and run. Um, but unfortunately, what that means, as you say, is we lose Coke from our local boards. That They, of course, started as a cigarette manufacturer, believe it or not. They were the local arm of wow. British American Tobacco back in the day, got the Coke licence. That's been a heck of a story, but unfortunately, they're now gone or will be gone very soon uh, off to Europe. Now, talking about property predictions, we've heard last year some experts were saying the property market was going to fall in many capital cities by up to 30 or 40%. Now they're saying property prices are going to increase by around 16%. Does anyone really know what's going to happen, especially with the unpredictability of COVID? Yeah, that's right. So this is, this is CBA saying 16% growth over the next two years. Are you, are you possibly asking whether the chocolate wheel at the head office is working or not, Tash? That sounds like, you know, spin, spin, spin the wheel and see what number comes up. Look, yeah, you're exactly, you're dead right. And you're right to be, to at least ask the question, right? I'll, I'll go a bit further and say, I don't think anyone really knows. Mm. Uh, there's a great old quote, which is uh, from John Maynard Keynes, a famous economist who said, uh, you know, pundits forecast not because they know, but because they're asked. And in this case, I think it's one of those situations where when it's your job to say, well, here's what I think is coming next, you kind of find something to go with. And it generally follows the trend rather than leads it, right? So we know house prices are already bouncing back after the worst of last year. Not hard to say, well, I think it'll keep going. Just as, as you say, when the pandemic was at its worst, experts saying, well, prices are going down. I guess they'll keep going. Um, it's always easy to simply <laughs> forecast the continuation of a trend. But look, I, you know, it seems it seems likely, at least in this case, that we have so much money, rates are so low, unemployment seems touch wood, and we still haven't seen the end of JobKeeper yet, but unemployment seems like it'll be reasonably muted in terms of the lift uh, from those, I guess, February last year highs. So, you know, I guess if you want to draw a line through, it doesn't seem unreasonable to believe house prices might go on. Of course, 16% over two years, is about 8% a year. That's also a little bit below the long, like well, the, I guess the medium term, last 30, 40 year trend. So it's not, it's not exactly a, a huge prediction to say, look, things might go back to about 8% a year. That sounds about right based on history. Scott, it may be a different story if we see a flood of stock on the market and interest rates start to rise. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. <laughs> Sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett. As we reported earlier, the Bardi party continues as Ash charges into the Oz Open quarters. 
Yeah, that's right. A party on Rod Laver Arena last night uh, for one, of course. No fans in the stand, so Ash Barty having to do it herself. But that didn't put her off. In fact, she said in the lead-up to her fourth-round match against Shelby Rogers last night, she doesn't mind not having fans because she's a tennis purist. She likes to hear the ball coming off her racket, gives it an, her an idea of how well she's hitting it and how well her opponent is hitting it. Well, she was hitting it beautifully last night. 6-3, 6-4 against the unseated American. Had faced her 11 days before that at the Yarra Valley Classic. That was a much tougher match. Went to a super tiebreak. We don't have that, of course, at Grand Slam level. Her serve was really strong. She was strong. She is into the quarterfinals for the third year in a row. But uh, Barty says that she's not done just yet. Oh, we're not done yet. Um, obviously, it's it's exciting to be in another quarterfinal of a Grand Slam, particularly here in Australia. If we'd looked at the way that we're preparing during our preseason to, to have the start that, that we've had so far uh, is really encouraging, but we're certainly not satisfied with, with where we're at at the moment. We'll, we'll keep chipping away and keep trying to, uh, to do the right things to, to progress as far as we can. And considering she had basically 11 months off last year, opted not to compete due to the pandemic, uh, this is some return from Ash Barty at Grand Slam level. Just love her passion and attitude. She's such a great role model. Also today, funny moment from Rafael Nadal after his win last night. We all need a good laugh. We've had a couple of funny moments from uh, Rafa. In fact, we normally do every year. Of course, we had that spectator who was booted out for giving him the bird a couple of nights ago. Well, last night he beat Fabio Fanini in uh, straight sets, then went into the press conference. Now, his opponent was either going to be Stefano Tsitsipas or uh, a Berrettini from Italy. He might have just let slip who that opponent would be. Let's have a listen. I make it a step forward today, something that I needed. I need to make another one. Wednesday against Tsitsipas, I think, going to be. No? I don't know. It's official. They play Sorry. They play tonight. Okay. I don't know. Maybe a little. I think uh, I heard that Berrettini was a little bit injured, but not official at all. <laughs> well, I, I miss it up, but. Very funny there from Rafa, Oops. the 20 time Grand Slam champion. Now, Matteo Berrettini has an abdominal injury and did withdraw from that match. We didn't know that until Rafa revealed it there. So, Sitsipas and uh, Rafa in the quarterfinals there, which is pretty funny, Tash. I love it. He's got a great sense of humour. Let that slip. And also today, an AFLW player has been forced into two weeks of home quarantine, Brett. Yeah, this was revealed uh, last night. Uh, a player from Collingwood, an AFLW player, is in self-isolation, has actually been there uh, already for quite a few days. She self-reported she'd visited a COVID-19 hotspot in Melbourne. That was at Melbourne Airport. We know that uh, that cafe that became kind of uh, the centre of a lot of contact tracing going on across the country. Uh, that player hasn't been named, uh, of course. She has tested, though, on route. Uh, returned a negative test, but will still have to serve 14 days in home isolation. It's understood that she hasn't played any matches in between that time from self-reporting to going into home quarantine. So a negative test result, but we'll still have to serve out the full two weeks. Great report as always, Brett. Thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details now around the country for this Tuesday morning. Shower or two on the way today for Brisbane, top of 28. Showers for Sydney today, a high of 25. Mostly sunny for Melbourne, 31. Cloudy conditions on the way for the national capital, 25. Mostly sunny and 24 for Hobart, 33. And sunny for Adelaide today, mostly sunny for Perth and a top of 31. And a shower or two with a possible storm and 30 degrees for Darwin. 
And Meghan Markle and Prince Harry will sit down for a tell-all interview with Oprah Winfrey off the back of their exciting baby news. Just a day after announcing they're expecting their second child, it's been announced the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will sit down with Oprah for a 90-minute special that will air on US television next month. In a statement, CBS says Oprah will speak with Meghan about life as a royal, marriage, motherhood and how she is handling life under intense public pressure. Harry will also be involved in the interview and chat about his move to the US and future hopes and dreams for their expanding family. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.